We are looking at the book of James. We've looked at the first two sections. We begin then at verse 19, James chapter 1, beginning at verse 19. And here the challenge is to be doers of the word. Begin reading at verse 19. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, But deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion, and the sight of our God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Let's pray. Father, these are words that you have given to us by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. And Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear today, that you would give us a hunger for your word and not just to hear it, but that that word might be applied to our lives, that it might change us, transform us, making us more like Jesus. So Father, guide us into your truth. Your word is everlasting truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many years ago, there was a pastor who was visiting in the home of one of the members of his congregation, and he grabbed his Bible and opened it up, and the mother of the house said to her son, would you go and get mommy and daddy's favorite book? I think she wished she wouldn't have said that in front of her pastor, because the little boy went off, and a few minutes later, he, there was this voice that came across the, 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 the house and said, Mommy, I found J.C. Penny catalog, but I couldn't find Sports Illustrated. I would imagine that that must have been a little bit, maybe more than a little bit embarrassing, because that little boy, what did he see in his home? Did he see that the Word of God was, was something that was vitally important to his mom and dad? Or was it the catalog? Was it the magazine? I wonder what would happen in your house if, you, if you, one of your children said, uh, go get daddy's favorite book. Go get mommy's favorite book. Would they come back with the Bible? Or would they come back with something else? In the verses that we just read, James makes it clear that the Word of God needs to be a vital part of our lives each and every day. 
And there are two things that he calls us to do in this passage. One is to humbly receive the word and then to willingly respond to that word. In other words, we need to take it in. And once we've taken it in, we need to live it up. So if you're wondering what is what is my theme today, that's it. So don't walk out the door and say, I have no idea what Pastor Franz was trying to say today. There it is. Input and output, right? Humbly receive it, and then live it out. Put it into practice in our lives. Doers of the Word. So notice, first of all, as doers of the Word, we are to humbly receive God's Word. The people to whom the book of James is written were members of the family of God. He identifies them as beloved brethren. And so they are ones who had come to know Jesus. They had a living relationship with him. They were part of the family of God. And James calls them brothers. We saw in the verse just prior to our text that it was through the word of God that they came to experience spiritual life. Verse 18 says, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth, or he gave us spiritual life by the word of truth. So James is writing to believers. He's writing to those who know the Lord. They've been saved. They've been born again. But he wants them to understand here that salvation is just the beginning. Coming to know Jesus as your Savior is just the beginning. A spiritual, excuse me, a spiritual birth is followed by a life of transformation. And that change takes place as we spend time listening and responding to God's Word. Notice in verse 21, James pictures the Word of God as a seed. And that's a common uh, picture given in Scripture. Jesus talked about sowing the seed and, and planting the seed in the hearts of people. And in verse 21, then James says that the Word of God is to be planted in us. He says, put aside all filthiness, all that remains of wickedness, and humility receive the Word implanted. And so just as you would plant a seed in your garden, you would expect that that seed is going to sprout, it's going to grow, it's going to produce fruit. And that's the very same thing that we need to understand. How do we grow spiritually? How do we come, become more like Jesus? We go back to the very basic truths, don't we? It is time spent in the Word of God. That Word that is planted within us will bear fruit in our lives. Now notice what James says. He says, in humility, we are to receive the word implanted. So humility is really a key ingredient in receiving God's word. In humility, receive the word implanted. And if you look at verse 19, I believe James is giving us three qualities of, of what it means to humbly receive God's word. The first thing he says is that a humble heart is quick to hear. Verse 19, this you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear. Doesn't it take humility to be quick to hear? To be willing to receive instruction? 
To be willing to be told what God's word has to say. You see, the proud person is not quick to hear. The proud person doesn't think he needs to hear. He's just fine. He doesn't need any counsel. He doesn't need any advice. He's, he's got his life all together. Why would I need to listen to anyone else? That's the proud person. The one who is quick to hear is the one who says, Lord, I need to grow. I need to know more. I need to become more like Jesus. So when I come to church on Sunday, I am all ears. Lord, what do you have to say to me? I trust that's why you've come this morning. I hope you haven't come because someone made you come. I hope you haven't come because that's the thing to do on Sunday morning. I hope you've come today saying, Lord, teach me. Lord, instruct me. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. (laughs) Remember that? Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Psalm 25 is a great reminder of our need to be quick to hear. It was written by David. And listen to what he says. Verse 4, Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day. Then verse 8, he says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice. And he teaches the humble his way. Who does he teach? He teaches the humble. And that's the attitude with which we need to approach the Word of God, with that humility that says, Lord, teach me. Give me ears that are quick to hear. So that's the first thing that James mentions. And then he says this, a humble heart is not only quick to hear, but he says it is slow to speak. Slow to speak. And that really relates to the first one, doesn't it? The second characteristic of a humble heart is is closely related to the first one because you certainly won't be quick to hear if you're always talking, right? If you're slow or you're quick to speak instead of being slow to speak. Have you ever tried to visit with someone who hardly lets you get a word in edgewise? Do you know anybody like that? Don't raise your hand and don't shout out their name, okay? (laughs) It's like a monologue. It's not a conversation. It's a monologue. And these people don't have a pause button. I'm convinced. They just have an on button. And the mouth is moving. They don't have a pause button. And how can you be quick to hear if your mouth is always moving? John MacArthur says, when a famous Roman orator was asked by a young man to teach him the art of public speaking, the young man continued in an incessant flow of meaningless talk that allowed the great teacher no opportunity to even inject a word. When they finally reached the point of discussing a fee for this great orator's service, He said, young man, to instruct you in oratory, I will have to charge you a double fee. And he said, well, why would you charge me a double fee? He says, because I will have to teach you two skills. 
The first, how to hold your tongue. And the second, how to use it. Some of us may, be, may need to be taught that first skill, how to hold our tongue. Being slow to speak instead of being quick to speak so we can actually hear what we need to hear. You've heard it before. God has given us how many ears? Two. How many mouths? One. So maybe that suggests a percentage. huh? Maybe we need to be willing to hear twice as much as we are willing to speak. Slow to speak. Quick to hear. And then notice the third thing. He says a humble heart is slow to anger. Now, why, why would he say that? We need to be slow to anger if we are going to humbly receive God's word. If we aren't slow to anger when we receive the word of God, we, we're not going to be very open to that because sometimes, right? Sometimes the word of God tells us what we don't want to hear. Is that true? Are there times when God is trying to say something to you through his word and you just are not interested in hearing it? Anybody willing to admit that? And so we get upset. And it's usually not upset with God. It's upset with the one who's delivering the message, right? I know times when there have been people mad at me for what I've said. I've just told them I'm just trying to be the messenger, If this is God's word, your problem's not with me. Your problem is with Jesus. Have you ever been angry with someone who shared God's word with you? I think of the Apostle Paul as he writes to the Galatian church. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 16, he asks them this question. He says, have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? That's quite a question to ponder, isn't it? Because there are many people, if you tell them the truth, you have become their enemy. They don't want to hear the truth. Who are you to tell me this? Ever had that attitude when you've endeavored to tell someone the truth? There was a missionary who gave someone a Bible, told him to read it. A few weeks later, he came back. He said, here, you could have this book. And the missionary says, why? He says, every time I read it, it kicks me. (laughs) The truth. And that's why we need to be slow to anger. We need to be quick to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. That's what it means to humbly receive God's Word. Are you quick to hear? Maybe you should ask someone who knows you well. I don't know, maybe your spouse. Would they have a little insight on that? Are you slow to get angry? Maybe your spouse would have a little insight on that. Maybe your brother or sister or your children. In humility, we are to receive God's Word. And I hope that's your attitude today. Lord, teach me. Lord, show me. I need to grow. I need to learn I want to become more like Jesus. And that comes through His Word. Notice the second thing, that as doers of the Word, we willingly respond to God's Word. 
Think of it. If all I needed to grow as a Christian was just to hear a message or just to read my Bible, then the Christian life wouldn't be as challenging. The challenge comes when we have heard the word, are we going to respond to that word? Or is it just going to be something that goes in one ear out the other and it doesn't change us? And that's why James says we are called to be doers of the word. We take it in and then by the grace of God we live it out in our lives daily. He gives us a couple reasons why we need to obey the word of God, become doers of the word. The first thing he says is that merely listening to the word results in deception. Look at verse 22. He says, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves or deceive themselves. One author says that this Greek word translated hearers was used of those who sat passively in an audience and listened to a singer or a speaker. And he goes on to say, today it could be used to describe those who audit a class. Any of you ever audited a class? What does that mean? You attend, right? You're supposed to go to the class. You don't do the assignments. You don't read the the text. You don't write any papers. All you do is you go there and listen. You're auditing the class. That's the picture given here as James describes those who are hearers of the word, but they are not doers of the word. They're simply auditing the message. Are you doing that today? Well, I'll go, yeah. I'll listen, yeah. But are you going to leave today the same way you came? Or is it your desire to say, Lord, you have taught me, you have fed me. Help me now to live in light of your word. Not just auditing the class, but rather obeying. Think of this in Ezekiel's day. Ezekiel was a prophet. And I don't know if he was a great speaker, but it it appears that way because... In Ezekiel 33, verse 30, here's what it says. But as for you, son of man, your fellow citizens who talk about you by the walls and in the doorways of the houses, speak to one another, each to his brother, saying, Come now and hear what the message is which comes forth from the Lord. So they were talking about Ezekiel, said, You've got to come and listen to this guy. He has a message from God. What they do, verse 31, they come to you as people come and they sit before you as my people and hear your words, but they do not do them. For they do the lustful desires expressed by their mouth and their heart goes after their gain. Behold, you are to them like a beautiful song (laughs) sung by one who has a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. For they hear your words, but they do not practice them. Do you get this idea that 
There was something about Ezekiel that people wanted to hear him preach. Oh, it's just wonderful. Just like a beautiful song and, and playing wonderfully on an instrument. And the Lord says, they come and they hear you, but they, they don't do anything about it. It's just like, oh, this was, this was great. You know, walk out the door and say, well, you know, thanks for that message. That was, that was wonderful today. And then they go back and live the way they live, living for themselves. I wonder how many people are like that today who come to churches across our country and they hear a message and they walk out unchanged. Check that off, right? I went to church. That certainly ought to count at least a little bit for the Lord, right? Few brownie points I put in my hour. And I put money in the offering, you know. Boy, it's, that's a sad thing if that's how people approach the Word of God to just, okay, I heard it. Or, yeah, I read it. I checked that off. I had my devotions today. And that's it. We are called to be doers of the Word. Hearing is not an end in and of itself. And notice how James illustrates this with the mirror. Verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So how many of you looked in the mirror this morning? Huh? Did you look in the mirror? What did you say when you looked in the mirror? Good grief? <laughs> did you say, good morning, Lord? Or, good Lord, it's morning. Look at that face. Huh? I looked in the mirror this morning. My hair was really messy. That's not a joke. There's stuff on the side, and it was pushed up over, you know, up there. And so I said, good grief, you've got you to gotta wash that mop. And so I, I did. And I combed it. And it looks really nice. Because I didn't just look in the mirror and then walk away forgetting what kind of person I was. I realized there's something I needed to do, right? I needed to beautify my appearance. For those of you who are here today, I guess online too. Thought if, you know, if I look better, maybe it'll make me sound better, right? I don't think that's going to work, but maybe that's the way it goes. Huh? So, what does James say about looking into the mirror of God's Word? He's likening the Word of God to a mirror. And what's he saying? When you see yourself in light of God's Word, what do you see? You see yourself exactly as you are, right? Because God's Word has a way of showing us exactly who we are, as one person says, warts and all, right? It reveals to us what we are. But if we see ourselves in the mirror of God's Word and then, then we just walk away and, and, and forget what the Word has shown us, James says that's just like hearing the Word of God and, and you recognize your need, but you do nothing about it. You just walk out the door. 
And the description James gives here is not someone who just gives a passing glance at the mirror. The word used here, looks, means to look with reflection, to consider. So it's not just someone who just, you know, glanced at the mirror and took a, but really examine. And, and that's the description here. Hearing the word and, and God's word is revealed to you, and you've examined what you are and still walk away. That's what he's describing here. And so just doing that is, is de- deceiving yourself. As if just reading your Bible or hearing a message is enough and then you walk away unchanged. James says that's deception. You are deluding yourself. The second reason we need to obey the word is because there is blessing in obedience, isn't there? Verse 25, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. This man will be blessed in what he does. Now, if that sounds familiar, it should, because Jesus said, if you know these things, John thirteen seventeen, you are blessed if you do them. So there's a lot of things we know, right? Some of us have a mountain of knowledge, but maybe a molehill of response. A lot of things we know, but Jesus says, it's not just knowing. If you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. John MacArthur tells the story of a, a Scottish evangelist that came to preach at a college gathering, maybe something like university or whatever. And after he was done speaking, MacArthur went up to him and thanked him for his message. He said, what you shared was really spoke to my heart. And he was just trying to encourage this man. And that Scottish evangelist, he looked at him and said, what are you going to do about it? Oh, and MacArthur said, you know, I didn't really like that response. He said, I was just trying to encourage him. And he had the gall to challenge me to actually do something about it. So what would you do if I was standing at the door today and you came through and said, thank you, Pastor, for the message? And I said, what are you going to do about it? With a firm look on my face. huh? What are you going to do about it? That's what James is doing, isn't he? He's in your face. He's in my face. Saying, okay, you've heard it. Now, what are you going to do about it? So we take it in. And then we live it out. We live it out. Now, he could have given us a lot of different examples about being doers of the word. But you'll notice he gives three examples of of many he could give. In fact, three different areas of life in relationship to ourselves, first of all, and then in relationship to others, and then in relationship to the world. So notice the first one. He says that we are to bridle our tongues. Verse 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion 
is worthless. That's a pretty strong word, isn't it? Bridle your tongue. Now we know from chapter 3, we'll be looking at that in a few weeks, we need to bridle our tongue because the tongue is a very powerful member of the body, right? Chapter 3, verse 5, he says, It's just a small part of the body, but it boasts of great things, and a great forest is set aflame by such a small fire. So we need to be careful how we use our mouths. We need to be careful how we use our tongue because there is great power in this little piece of flesh that is in our mouths. The other thing he tells us here is that the tongue and the heart are linked together. The tongue and the heart are linked together. If he does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart... Man's religion is worthless. Jesus said in Matthew twelve thirty four, the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Right? Why do I speak the way I speak? Because that's what's in my heart. There's a connection there that is very clear. But there's the first way. And he gives an example of relationship to others. Verse 27, pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God our Father is to visit orphans and widows in their distress. So another evidence that we are walking in obedience to God is we, we care about other people, especially those who are in great need. He says that's a religion that is pure and undefiled. And then the third way we're to be doers of the word is in relationship to the world. Because the last phrase of the chapter, he says, you need to keep yourself unstained by the world. When I think of unstained, I think of staining wood. Any of you stain wood? I've stained uh, baseboards and... Furniture and decks and fences. And the one thing that I've discovered is you can get stain everywhere, right? Stain on your shirt, stain on your pants, stain on your hands. It, it just, it flies off the brush, doesn't it? Stain is, is, you can even get what looks like freckles. On your hands, I've discovered that. So if any of you don't have freckles and water, you can get stained freckles. It, it is so easy to get stained. And what happens when it gets stained? You get a shirt that's stained, what's the first thing people notice? They don't say, look at that awesome shirt. It is 95% unstained. I've never heard anybody say that. Well, they say, look at that nice shirt. It was ruined by just that little stain. James says, you need to keep yourself unstained by the world because it is very easy to get stained, isn't it? Because sin is all around us. And what happens when we get stained? That's the thing that people remember. That's what they remember. 
A spiritual leader can be faithful in so many ways, but if they fall in a significant way, what is the thing that people will remember? That stain. That's why we are called to keep ourselves unstained by the world. How, How does that happen? By being in the Word and letting God's Word do its work in us. And then living out those principles that that God gives us in His Word. And we must remember that the world is watching us. If If you claim the name of Jesus, people are watching you. They're watching me. They want to know, does this make a difference in the way we live? Does Jesus really make a difference in the way we live? And they know we're not going to be perfect, obviously. But does Jesus make a difference in the way that we live? Doers of the word, humbly receiving, and then willingly responding. May that be our desire anytime we hear a message, anytime we open our Bibles. Lord, teach me. And then, Lord, help me to live that out so that the world will see that Jesus does make a difference in the lives of his people. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the challenge that you give. The challenge to be those who humbly receive your word. And then those who willingly respond to your word. And so, Lord, give us that hunger, give us that thirst for your word, and then work in us, Father, through that word that we might live it out in a way that brings glory to you and causes others to say, there is something about that person, and I'd like to know what it is. We can share that it is Jesus who has saved us. It is Jesus who is transforming us, and he uses that powerful word to work in our hearts in a wonderful way. So, Father, do your work in our midst this morning for the honor and glory of your name. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.